Hollywood Boulevard, we've got the man with the loudest guitars and the biggest hair. Let's put our hands together for rocker Jim Jovi. How many are you rocking out to Jim and M in your car? <laughs> a question I have for you is, are you a poser this morning? And by that, I mean, have you come in here trying to be somebody else? Do you feel like you are not who you want to be? And an even more powerful question to think about today is, are you the person that God made you to be? Or are you somebody else? Do you think you can ever be the person that God made you to be? Or are there too many obstacles in your way for that to happen? The answer to those questions, I believe, lie at the heart of many of our issues that we have this morning. When we look at our life and begin to look at the things in our life and the stuff that we're dealing with, I think the heart of all that issue is is identity. Is we have no idea who we are. If we could just be the person God thought up before time began, my life as I know it would be different. Many of us this morning are living a version of ourselves that we know is not who God made us to be. Who we are right now, right now sitting in here today, we know that that's not the person God made or God thought of when time began. We are living a version of ourselves that is not the true, complete me that was created by God in all of his infinite power and understanding to be. I'm living somebody else. God had a goal for you and a purpose for you the moment moment time began. God created you to be something, but you're doing everything in your power just to be anything not the something that God created you to be. How many of you are sitting here right now this morning wondering what God's goal for your life is? Plain and simple, God's goal for your life and my life is for us to discover and live as the person that he created us to be. 
That's God's goal. He wants you to live the life that he created for you to be and be that person. For that to happen, I must first realize that there is a God, and guess what? It's not me. There is a God, but it is not me. A very simple but powerful realization. And I think if many of us were honest with ourselves and we looked in that mirror, I think we try to be God more than we would like to admit. My life and your life is God's project. It is not your project. Our project is to let him do what he has to do. God is the only one who truly knows what my potential is because he is the one who created me. It's like this. We all, you know, for those of us who have had kids, that kindergartner brings home that school art project, right? And mom and dad are looking at it, and you're like, I think that that's a wonderful tree. And Tommy's like, no, mom, that's a monster who hangs out in the backyard, and his name is Buster. (laughs) The kid created the picture. He knows exactly what it is. Those of us who are looking from the other side of it may not quite have an idea. And God's the same way, right? God created you. He knows exactly what he created you for, knows exactly who you are. And I think we try to identify ourselves using things that we see from a perspective that we don't have, that God doesn't give us. The creator knows what the creation is supposed to be. Secondly, I must come to the realization that I am living some version of myself that is not on par with who God made me to be. I understand that there is a version of me that God sees, but I'm also willing to admit that I'm not there yet. I'm not at that version of myself yet. So the thing I have to determine first is what version of myself am I currently living? So I want to take a look at the four versions of me. The first one is the me that I pretend to be. The me that I pretend to be. This is the me that I want people to think that I am. And sometimes I like to refer to this as the Facebook me, right? You can tell whatever you want about yourself on Facebook because most of those people probably don't really know who you are. So I can be whoever I want to be when I'm on Facebook. Or this is also the me that I want, you know, that I pretend to be when I'm at church. I want everybody to think this way of me when I'm at church, even though that may not actually be who I am. The second me is the me I think I should be. The me I think I should be. This is the me that I have determined somewhere along the way that I should be. I have determined this me by my own selfish standard, not God's vision for me. So by some selfish standard, I've determined that I need to be this way. Because I'm the man of the family, and I'm the breadwinner of the family, and I'm this and this and this and this, so I have to be this way. That is the me I think I should be. The third one. The me others want me to be. The me others want me to be. This is the me that wants to please others, so I become what they ask or what they expect of me. I become that person. I think a lot of us in here today are struggling with this one. We want to become what others want us to be. The final one and every single one of us has has lived this one at some point or another, 
And that is the me that fails to be. The me that fails to be. In a way to think of this one, guys, it just means you're just languishing in life. To languish means you're living with no hope or no meaning. I think a lot of us live with just no hope or no meaning. We just language through life. And that's the me that fails to be. I want more out of my life. And I think you guys do too. I want to live with adventure and excitement. I am tired of living in a way that was not meant for me to live. I want to live a life filled with purpose, passion, and desire. I am ready for something different. I am ready to become the person God thought of before time began. This morning, I can say that I am ready to be the me that I want to be. How about you? The whole process of transformation begins with and runs completely on grace. And we talked about grace last week. It's no coincidence that this is following our grace discussion. We described grace last week, if you remember, as God's unmerited favor. To transform into the person that God made us to be, we need his unmerited favor to help us do that. The lives we live are about more than our lives that we live. And I think that's a perspective we need to have, right? We live a life, live like, if I can get through this day, if I can get through this day, if I can get to the next goal, if I can get to the next week, if I can get to the next hour, sometimes if I can get to the next minute, I'll be happy. And God says, your life is so much more than what you make it. I've given you this life so that you can reflect me to people in the dark world. Are you living your life that way? Or are you living it for the next moment, the next minute, the next second? Our lives are lived for bringing glory to the creator. You know, my wife's an artist. My daughter's an artist. When they paint something, we hang it up on the wall for everybody to see. It's to bring glory to the one who created it, right? Look, And not in a selfish way. Every one of us is a painting walking around that God created or a sculpture that God created. And he sends us out in the world so that we can bring glory back to him. What happens, though, is I get confused, and I, and I hope that you guys do too, and I make my life about money, success, popularity, or some other thing that I've determined it needs to be. Do you see the difference here? Living for a creator to glorify him or living for money or wealth or popularity, those are two different things. Living our lives in a way that brings recognition to God is something that we cannot do on our own power. Sorry to burst your bubble. It is something that needs grace to happen. We have to have God's overwhelming grace to live our life for him. Grace is not just for our future. And by that I mean grace wasn't given to us so when we die we have a home in heaven. It was. But grace is also given to us for today and for this moment right now. It's given for our present. It's given for you to get through this day and bring glory to God. And then on that day when you die, yes, his grace gives us a place in heaven. I think we live unfulfilled lives because we are too focused on the cross and not focused enough on the empty tomb. We live for Good Friday. We don't live for Resurrection Sunday. God said, I, I have come so that you may have life and have it in the fullest. 
He never said, I came and died on the cross so you can just hang on until you die. He wants you to have life in the fullest. We are meant to be who God made us to be, not just in heaven, but right now. To get to that me, there are some discoveries that I'm going to have to make along the way. The first one is God wants you to flourish, believe it or not. John 7, verse 38 tells us, If you believe in me, the Hebrew scriptures say that rivers of living water will flow from within you. And I can't think of of a better picture of flourishing than living water flowing from directly inside of you. The river in the Bible is symbolic with growing and thriving. If you read the Bible in Genesis, it talks about a river flowing through the garden, right? Bringing the garden life. You carry that forth, open up to your back of your Bible in Revelations chapter 21, 22, I believe. It talks about in the new earth, there will be a river flowing through the middle of the city, bringing, light, bringing new life to everything there. God says, I want you to flourish. I'm going to give you this life and let my river of life flow through you. And that river will bring healing and that river will be growth and that river will bring an understanding of who you are and who I made you to be. To become the me that God sees, I need to realize that God is in the business of growth. It is his job to grow me, not mine. You know, for those of you that have gardens, it's your job, your job to water the garden and to, make, and to trim the weeds and to do everything necessary for the garden to grow. It's the job of the carrot just to be a carrot. The carrot isn't trimming its own weeds. It's not watering itself. It's not doing any of that. God's the same way with you. God says, I know who you are. I know what you're supposed to be. Let me trim the weeds. Let me give you the water you need. Let me give you the sunshine you need. Yet we decide, God, I know more about me than you know, even though you created me. I think I will give myself the water that I need. And we give ourselves too much water. I'll go out in the sunshine when I need sunshine, and we go out and get too much sunshine. We don't let the, the creator or the gardener take care of his creation. The second thing we need to find out who we're going to be is find out how you grow and live in the flow. Find out how you grow and live in the flow. Each and every one of us in this room experiences spiritual growth differently. The way we approach spiritual growth is also different. What works for me may not work for you. And what works for you may not work for me. For example, some of you may be able to get up at 4.30 in the morning and have time for Bible study, prayer, and worship. Some of you would be an absolute nightmare if you got up at 4.30 in the morning. And I would dare say Jesus wouldn't even want to spend time with you. (laughs) If that's you, don't get up at 4.30 in the morning. Some of you can grow by reading your favorite authors. Some of you absolutely hate to read. Every book you've ever read has been book on tape. And there are some of you in here, I know. Some of you love to journal. Some of you hate to write checks so everything's set up electronically. 
Spiritual growth is not a cookie cutter process. We don't throw and run through an assembly line and achieve growth. Although in many churches around this country, they teach spiritual growth that way. Come one, come all type of approach to spiritual growth. Everybody's different. What I love about God is spiritual growth is handcrafted by him and it's very personal to you. Learn your pathway. Keep track of those things that help you experience the presence and majesty of God. But don't journal if you don't like to journal. Keep track of it in a different way. If it works, do it. If it doesn't work, don't do it. And don't let somebody force you to do it. Do not get upset or embarrassed if the things that bring growth in you are different than the things that bring growth to me. And don't be ashamed about that. It is okay. The important thing is that you remain in the flow of the Spirit. Spiritual growth is not about getting your spiritual life in order. Spiritual growth is about living in the flow that God has already given you. That's what your spiritual life is. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's very short, so it's one you can remember very easily. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Don't suppress the Spirit. Plain and simple. Listen to the Spirit. Go along with the flow of the Spirit. The Spirit tells you when you're doing something that benefits you. And the Spirit lets you know when you're doing something that doesn't. And I find it fascinating when we, as Christians, try and force somebody into doing something they don't want to do. There's a lot of us who love to worship in here. There's probably some who don't. And that's okay. So don't feel like on Sunday morning you have to if you don't feel like you're growing spiritually through it. If you get out of the flow, which every one of us does, and many of us are this morning, the Spirit will point it out and give you an opportunity to get back in. He'll give you another chance to jump back in the flow of the Spirit. God knows exactly what you need. You just have to be willing to receive it from Him. And that's the hard part of the process, right? We've all been there. I know I have. Maybe I say we all. Maybe just me. But there are times I'll really be struggling with stuff, really be struggling with stuff, really be struggling with stuff. And every time I pick up the Bible, guess what? That verse is hitting right when I'm struggling with. And you put it down. God, I don't want to deal with this right now. And then you turn on the radio to listen to worship music. And that song happens to be singing about that thing that you're dealing with. And you shut it off. God, I don't want to listen to this right now. And God is telling you, Joe, get back in the flow. You're struggling because you don't know who you are because you've stepped out of the flow of who I've made you. Get back into the flow. Don't suppress the spirit. Just let it flow in you and ride in that flow. John Ortberg puts it this way. The main measure of your devotion to God is not your devotional life. It is simply your life. Let your life be your devotion to God not your quiet time. And we do that as Christians, right? Oh, I had an hour-long quiet time with God this morning as a way to beat somebody over the head with their 30 minutes that they had. Ooh, I spent four hours today listening and whatever. Just let your life be your devotion to God, and people are going to see that. The third thing we need to do to become the, the me that we want to be 
is surrender. To become the person that God created us to be, we must let go of the person we were trying to become under our own power. And I know for me and for a lot of you, that is a nearly impossible task to let go of the person that we are trying to become. The Bible puts it this way in this well-known passage from Romans, and this is Romans 12 too. Do not allow this world to mold you into its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. As a result, you will be able to discern what God wills and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete. I believe all of us this morning have allowed the world to determine who we should be. And going deeper than that, we've allowed the American society to determine who we should be. Who we should be as children, who we should be as teenagers, who we should be as men, and who we should be as women. We've allowed the world to do that. We have given the world significance in the formation of our own identities. We have given them the power to do something they never had the power to do. And that's tell us who we are. So it is no surprise when we feel empty, broken, and like we don't know ourselves. Because when you let the world determine who you are, you don't know yourself. Because we're not of this world, we're of heaven. We must surrender all of those things to God. We must allow him to transform us by renewing our minds with his goodness. We must pay attention to what we think about. Capture it in Christ and let him transform it. We must set our minds on things that are not of this earth, but of heaven. And we must do that every second of every day. Not when I leave church, because we've talked about it, and that 30 minutes, I mean, I'm good. Me and God are tight until the football game comes on, and then I'm gonna. But Tony Rome was terrible, God. How can I focus on you? And he's. <laughs> I don't like the Cowboys, though, so I don't care, but that's fine. <laughs> When we focus on heaven, we begin to act like we're from heaven. We act like the world because we focus on the world. We must be hearers of the word. We have to seek out wisdom and apply it to our lives. To be who God made us to be, we must surrender everything that is not from him, all the things that we have built in our lives. We must surrender it to God. And allow him to do with them what needs to be done. I have heard it put this way. Jesus does not come to rearrange the outside of our life the way that we want. Jesus comes to rearrange the inside of our life the way that God wants. Jesus isn't here to say, God, I want Jesus, will you do this for me? And will you set these things up the way that I want? And if, man, if you can do this, life would be so much better for me. Jesus comes and says, how about I rearrange your heart and your spirit the way that I want it to be? And we'll see what happens from there. What I say this morning is let him do it. Let him rearrange your priorities. Let him jumble around your desires and get them in the right order. Let him take out what is not you and put in what is. Because after all, he knows what's you. The more you surrender to him, the more you find yourself becoming who you were meant to be all along. Our fourth point, deepen the relationships you are in. 
There is something about being in relationship that helps flesh out who we're meant to be. And I'm talking about real deep and meaningful relationships here. Not high, you ha- not high how you do, and not the face value stuff, but the real meaningful, deep kind of relationship. The kind of relationships where you're open, real, and honest with each other. You know, where you call a spade a spade, and you call sin a sin, and you really help each other out. That's the kind of relationship I'm talking about. The first relationship we need to grow is our relationship with God. The way we respond and react to God will go a long way in determining if and when we will live the life we were meant to live. God is always thinking about you and me. The Bible tells us that God's thoughts about us would outnumber the grains of sand on any beach. And those are his thoughts daily about us. Therefore, if we want to go deeper in our relationship with him, We must have this longing for him, this desire for him. We need to be willing to spend time with him. And by that, I mean drop the drop what I'm doing type of time, right? God, I'm in the middle of this, but I need so much time with you that I'm going to stop this and spend time with you. What happens? One of the things that that I teach the teens and not not that I don't believe in quiet time, But what I have found is we take our quiet time and say, okay, God, everything you want to do for me today, you need to do in my quiet time because I've given you that time. You have from six to seven in the morning. That's all you got, God, because the rest of my day I'm busy. And I have found the times that God has really moved and touched me in my life. God has said, you know what, Joe, I need you to set down what you're doing at lunchtime and come spend a little bit of time with me. How about you clear your schedule for me, not expect me to just jump into your schedule when you've determined. So do you have that kind of relationship with God? We need to be willing to love him. And one of the ways I think about love is in this country, we can in one sentence say we love cake and then we love our children in the next sentence, right? Those are two different kinds of love. I, every day when I talk to my wife on the phone, I tell her I love her. But that's different than coming home, looking in her eye and saying, I love you. That's a different kind of love. And that's the type of love God wants with us. The looking in the eye, seeing emotion, seeing feeling, seeing everything that's happened your day. Like, I love you, Joe. That's the kind of relationship God wants. One surefire way to deepen our relationship with God is through prayer. Prayer in its simplest form is talking to God. There's nothing, ma- there's no magical formula. There's no real hard thing you have to do. You just have to start talking to God. When we have a deep, personal, close relationship with God, we begin to share our thoughts and our desires with him. Guess what, God? God doesn't mind if you tell him about the shoes you bought that day because he knows. He doesn't mind if you share the things you're upset about, the things you're happy about, the things you don't understand. God doesn't mind when you share that with him. As we share those things which are important to us with him, he will begin to pour into us the things in which he made us for. Talking to God will eventually flow into prayer with God as we get more comfortable in his presence. To truly discover and understand our God created me and the people we are made to be, we must have an honesty about everything. That one's tough. 
and that one's hard, and that one can put us in some compromising positions. We must pray what is in me currently, not what I wish was in me. Right? We do that. You know, many of us, especially when we're in public, jump in and start using, like, the big prayer words. Lord, sanctify me, even though we don't know what sanctify means, but really spiritual people say that. (laughs) So we do that. God wants you just to share what's in your heart. Like I shared last week, if you're too broken to say anything, don't say anything. God wants you to be broken before him. Don't make something up. Pray what is in your heart at the time you're praying to God. What is in your life, what you're struggling with, what you're having problems with, what you don't understand. Guess what? You can even tell God when you're mad at him. Because he already knows. And I know me as a parent, and you guys that are parents, there's something about this relationship with our children when our children come to us and tell us they're mad at us for something. Man, my children really trust me if they can tell me that they love me. God's the same way. Just share what's in your heart at the time. As we pray who we are with God, he will mold us into who we wish we were. He'll mold us in those people we're trying to be when we pray, if we just pray what's in our heart. Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is a very powerful verse, but one that we have a very hard time with. You make known to me the path of life. God's telling us, I will show you who you are. I will show you where you're supposed to be. I will show you what you're supposed to do. Just spend a little bit of time with me. A deep relationship with God will lead us down the path to who we want to be. Not only must we deepen our relationship with God, but we must also deepen our relationship with other people, the people that God has put around us. However, it is important that we evaluate each relationship very closely before we pour ourselves into them. There are two types of relationships that we have, and only two. The relationships that fill us and the relationships that drain us. There's nothing in between. You have people that fill you, and you have people that drain everything out of you. Relationships that fill you up are the ones that, have, that we have that really spark something inside of us, right? The ones that you're just excited to talk to these people. When you talk to them and you go back home, you're like, man, I'm, I, I just feel so much better about myself because of these relationships. These relationships make us think in different ways. These relationships make us want to grow and change when change is needed. These relationships help us see ourselves as God sees us and motivate us to do what is necessary to get there. I have those types of relationships with my wife, with Doug, with John, with a whole bunch of teenagers, and and a few others. But it's important to remember there are also relationships that drain us. These people are always taking from us. It's just take, 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 take. They never pour anything back in. These relationships are always wearing us down and taking away all that is good and holy in us. These types of relationships will pull us away from who we are meant to be. We must spend less and less time with those who drain us and more and more time with people who fill us up. And unfortunately for a lot of us, a lot of those relationships are probably people you work with. And you probably can't spend 
you probably have to spend a certain amount of time with them. But it's important to think about, do they fill me or do they drain me? Once you know who fills you up, go all in with them. Be completely transparent and honest. Talk openly about your sins and your struggles. Share your dreams and your fears. Do life together. In the process of filling others and being filled, you will become the person you wish you would have always been, and it will happen without you even thinking about it. Jesus in John 7:38, which I read earlier, invites those who are thirsty to come and drink from the fountain of life. Thirsty does not mean a physical thirst. That's not what he's talking about here. The term thirsty means being driven by an unsatisfied desire. So Jesus is saying, for those who are unsatisfied and have unsatisfied desires, come to me. That is why we are no closer to who we really were meant to be. We thirst for something bigger and greater. Many of us here this morning have that thirst. I can see it on your face. We have the unsatisfied desires which drive us to do the wrong things, seek out the wrong people, and find ourselves in the wrong places at the wrong times. I am also very, very aware that many of you are faking it right now. You're back to that very person, the person I want people to think that I am. We have a lot of that going on. We can control our faces and pretend we have it all together. We can trick other people and ourselves into believing that we are where we want to be, that we are who we want to be. But guess what? The thirst doesn't go away. You can hide what's on your face. You can't fake what's going on in your gut. You can't fake what's going on in your spirit. And even though we may look at you and it looks like you have it all together, you are absolutely falling apart and you are a mess inside because of that thirst. The thirst will not go away until you seek out the Lord. The thirst will not wane until we decide to chase after that person that we were meant to be all along, that God made us to be. That's the only way your thirst will start to go away. Let God work in all that you do. Make a commitment to find out how you grow and then fight with all of your might, with everything you have to stay in the flow of it. Surrender who you are striving to be to the one who will make you into, the, into who he made you to be. I'm striving for one thing. If I just surrender that to God, he'll turn me into who I was supposed to be all along. Deepen your relationships with God. Surround yourself with the people who fill up your tank. Do not settle yourself into someone else's mold. Do not be a poser. God did not create you to be me. He didn't create you to be Doug. He didn't create you to be your mom, your dad, Chris Tomlin, Billy Graham, or anybody else sitting in here. God created you to be you. God has never before had a relationship like the relationship he has with you because there has never ever before been a you for him to have a relationship with. So don't think for one minute that what you have with God, somebody else has. Nobody else has what you have with God. 
because nobody else is you. God's desire is to create the best possible version of you. Let him do it. God knows what he created. It is time for me to be who God wants me to be. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I want to thank you, Father, so much just for this opportunity, Father, to share your heart and your spirit. God, I completely understand that when I'm up here and when Doug's up here and he'll say the same thing, God, that we're just, it's just words, Father. There are no, there's no power in word. But I believe with all my heart that you take these words that I say and then with your spirit and with your power, you bring them to life in the people who hear them. And Father God, all week I've been praying that you would open the spiritual eyes of everybody here, mine included. And you help us see who you created us to be, Father. Because I'm tired of being the person that I think I should be, or I'm tired of being the person that I maybe want to be, or I'm tired of being the person that others say I should be, Father. I'm tired of it. I have no more energy. I, 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 I can't do it. But God, if you, if you show me who it is that you created me to be, Father, and you come up underneath me and you give me a firm foundation and you give me the strength to take those steps, Father God, I will do everything I can to chase after you. And Father, that's my prayer for everybody here as well. That they do everything possible to chase after the one who created them, to chase after the one who truly knows them, to chase after the one who truly loves them in every way possible. And then and only then will we know who we are. Father, it says in John, you know, that when we accept you, when we, ha- when we have you, Father God, that, river, that rivers of living water will flow out of us. And Father, that's a powerful picture because not only will you fill us up with what we need, but you will do it to the point that it's overflowing into people around us. So Father God, I pray that you fill up everybody here. Father God, I pray that your spirit and your Holy Spirit and your living waters flow out of each and every person that can hear this. And ultimately, Father God, I want to bring honor to your name. I want to bring glory to the one who created me. And I know that everybody else here does as well. So Lord, do what is necessary in me. You know, put me in a position and give me influence with people where I can help them speak truth in love to them and help them become who you created them to be as well. Father, we love you. We thank you. And we lift this up, and we lift this up to you. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.